1: Welcome, everyone, to episode 24 of the Rust Belt Rundown, a Rust Belt Recruiting Production. I am your host, Paul O'Connor, and on this episode, we are joined by Jason Scales, Business Manager of Education at Lincoln Electric. Jason, thanks so much for joining the podcast, man.
0: Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to uh, you know the conversation tonight. Um, let's Let's jump in. So you've been around the world of education for the majority of your career, what is it about education and, in your case, industrial education that is most compelling to you or that has compelled you kind of throughout your entirety of your career?
0: You know, I think it's funny because I look back at my career and, and uh, I started in vocational education in high school. And, you know, at the end of the day, I was uh, my dream was to be an HVAC guy. I was going to go out and work in HVAC, you know, hang, hang some duct work, you know, install stuff in houses, have my own business. And uh, it's amazing where life takes you. But, you know, when you think about industrial education, you think about skills and and people that have skills, right? If you have a skill, nobody can ever take the skill away. I mean, you can mess up in life. You can step in it. You can take a wrong direction. You can go a different way. But at the end of the day, you always have these two things. and, And if you can work with these two things, you'll never have to worry about your next meal. You'll never have to worry about, your next paycheck. Because, you know, if you look behind me, there, there's woodworking tools, there's clamps, there's all kinds of different stuff back there. And that all just comes from experience and skills. And, and you know, I think that, that for some reason, we've forgotten the necessity or, or the need to have some level of skills. And, and I call them life skills anymore. It's it just the little things that you can do. And, and it's amazing. You, you know, you mentioned you travel around the world and what do you see? Now, uh, I've, I've been in 12 different countries and many different continents and worked in many different socioeconomic classes, and the foundation is always skills. That's the foundation. If, if we can't produce a product, we can't make things happen, we can't build houses, we can't build the bridges, can't build the roads, right, what else do you have, right? And so when you talk to these emerging economies, you go into countries where people might be impoverished or people are looking for a better way out, and, and, and you you can help provide those opportunities. I mean, it's, I hate to be like that, that guy that says all the altruistic, you know, look at me go, but it's, it's, it's fun. You know, Um, my daughter, she wanted a, a floating loft bed. You ever heard one of those?
1: Maybe if I'm picturing the right thing, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I never had heard of one of those either. And I said, Honey, what are we talking about? A floating, floating loft bed.
1: Loft bed. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, I'm picturing something almost like a bug bed with nothing underneath. That's kind of what yeah.
0: I'm concerned That's it, exactly it. So, <laughs> so I said, you know what? You want a floating loft bed. So she goes on Instagram or Pinterest and all that stuff and finds it. I said, look, we'll do it, but you're going to help me build it. Nice. So you're, you're going to draw it out. You're going to use a tape measure. You're going to use the tools and you're going to help me build it. That's the only way I'm going to help you do it. And she did it. And we had a great time. She learned some things. And I mean, it was just a great time. Right. And and will she ever build another one? I don't know. I I really don't care. But 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 we did something together and she she learned some valuable skills. Right. And so I think when you can impart skills and you do things, even with youngsters and all that stuff. I mean, that's that's just kind of what where my mojo is. It just that's that's kind of why I love what I do.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a good transition too. And I think it's, uh, it's probably will be part of uh, your answer to the next question, but you're entering your 10th year with Lincoln Electric. Um, and that is certainly not the norm anymore as folks job hop all over, you know, two, three I- years and, and uh, they move on to their next opportunity. What is it about your company that has compelled you to stay?
0: Oh, I got to say it's my bosses. You know, they're the best bosses in the world. Actually, i Really not saying that, but we have a great company. I literally, I've been in welding education for more than twenty-five years. I taught agricultural education before I came into Lincoln Electric, and and the reason I came to Lincoln Electric was we had a partnership at my university. It was a great partnership, right? We built teacher education programs. We had internships going. We we were um, I had students running around the state doing adult ag ed programs, and Lincoln one day just said, "Hey." we're really investing in education. We're really trying to take it to the next level. We know we need to do some things. Do you think you'd want to come to our side and come to the industrial side? And I was like, oh man, you know, I got, I really got four months off a year. <laughs> Can we make good. this happen, Lincoln, right? You know, they said, no, we can't make that happen. I said, fine, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll come on over. But, uh, you know, I've always told people, if you enjoy what you do, you never go to work. Um, and, and what I do in welding education, in our business, what we do, we not only make a product, and many people have seen it, it's called our virtual weld of the vertex. Uh, I, I run a welding technology training center, uh, which is 3.2 acres under roof. We have a customized training section that goes out in industry and does customized training all over the United States. And we, we do things all over the world. Um, and, and, and I still work with schools. I work with different associations around the United States. And 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 so for me, you know, I, I'm not a guy that sits behind the desk. Uh, and, in fact, I got to give myself little rewards. I get enough work done in 30 minutes. I got to take a little lap. Right. And then I come back to my desk and work. I, I just that's just the nature of me. And so, you know, the ability to do what I excel at and, and to find that right position in the company that's what's enabled me to stay for 10 years. If, if I was doing something else in the company, I, I don't know that I would have stayed 10 years. I mean, I, I found my spot, right? And then, and, and when you find your spot, it's, it's just kind of magic. You make things happen and, and, and I enjoy what I do. And, and so I, I don't look back and ever question what if, right? We always just move forward, um, but it, it's, it's fun. And I never know what tomorrow's gonna bring. Tomorrow's gonna bring a new challenge, either on the product side, in the weld school side and the community college side, there, there's just going to be another challenge, and that's that's what I love, and that's where I get my energy, and I get my energy off the other people too, and and working with all these different groups that we get to work with.
1: Man, I love it. That's a uh, that's a great answer. And you started with your bosses, and I think that's true, right? People don't leave roles or spots; they leave managers, they leave management, they leave bosses, right? And yeah. and, and I think that's uh, so that's great. You know, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, well, go ahead
0: so you know, when I when I said that it, it's amazing it's it's uh you know we do have great bosses at Lincoln Electric and I'll t- and I'll tell you one thing we all have a common goal from the board of directors down the vision behind education is driven also by our board of directors so it's not a far stretch for me to say I'm going to go work with Skills USA I'm going to go work with World Skills we're going to drive it a different agenda in welding education and we're going to make welding education a little bit different and we're going to make it a little better because we know what our end users want and that's a vision that's carried through the whole executive management team at Lincoln Electric. And so when you're when you're really aligned a, a, as an organization and that whole train is just moving forward and you're not hearing that lag of the other cars, you know, pulling back on you and clacking and clank, clank, clank. It's just it's just fun. You know,
1: it now makes it, it makes it easier, makes it easier. Yeah, Things move absolutely. Quicker. Yep. Yep. For sure. For sure. Um, Okay, so you mentioned you know you found your spot. Uh, Well, you've had a couple spots, um, and I wanted to talk through. You know, it's been ten years. You've had a couple of roles. So when you first got there to what you're doing now, let's talk about some of the roles that you've held.
0: So, you know, I was a teacher, right? So I taught ag ed, taught welding for thirteen years, and Lincoln says, "Hey, we want you to come to our side. We want you to help out industry." And really, what the role was was writing specialized curriculum for uh, customized training programs for, for a John Deere, a Caterpillar, a, a Kamatsu, you know, any, any large OEMs and stuff like that. And, and I told Lincoln, I said, look, I, you know, I, I can write the curriculum. not worried about that. And I can teach the content. Not worried about that. I said, but, uh, you know, I really need to understand industry. I'm from the education side and we, we get students welding in booths. We're not, we're not welding on big stuff. We're not putting big things together. Uh, so I actually started as a sales representative for Lincoln Electric in Missouri and, and had most of the state of Missouri and, and did that for a year. And, and that really was an eye opener for me. And, and, and I got to learn more about what industry is doing, how industry works. And we, saw, we were able to solve a lot of problems. I engaged uh, in a lot of training efforts and some of our customers in Missouri Um, You know, pulling second shift and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, then it kind of transitioned into the technical training side where my real specialty was an education specialist where I wrote the curriculum and wrote the training program specific for companies and how they needed to train up uh, anywhere from a welder to a welding engineer. And we had OEMs, they call us at Lincoln Electric and, and, you know, they ask, hey, we're a global company. We produce product in India, Brazil, China, Russia, U.S., all over the world. The challenge we have is I need it to be a consistent product no matter where it's produced. So if if, if a product rolls off the line in India, it has the exact same quality it has in the United States. So we started bringing welding engineers from these companies in to really train them in what welding is so that these companies can help get better quality, Higher consistency, better productivity, and 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 do that globally. And then my, my, my job kind of transitioned again to manager of education services. And this is where we're really growing the education department within Lincoln. And so another, another layer gets added. We, we, we develop a brand new welding curriculum. Uh, we call it U-Link. And, and, and really kind of trying to revolutionize, you know, really how do we teach welding? Uh, because if you think about welding today, I liken it back to welding being like farming was in the 1900s, right? When you went to school to become a farmer, you were gonna be the farmer in 1900. If you go to the College of Agriculture today at the University of Ohio or, or go to University of Missouri or anywhere you wanna go, you're gonna get a degree in agronomy, horticulture, ag business, ag econ, animal husbandry. You know, It's not just a farming degree anymore, and I think welding, what's going on in welding and, and, and kind of what's fun is because we're the, we're the underdog, if you will, right? Um, it's changing. It's, it's starting to really specialize. If, if we think about wind energy and how we have to weld these tubes together to hold up uh, the wind turbines. If I go to Tesla, you know they may fuse or, or use adhesives to bond these bodies together. But you know, if I go to Nissan, they're still welding maybe specialty alloys. And how am I welding that specialty alloy together? If I go to, to weld a train car together, that's a mild steel. I'm using flux core, a different technique. If I go to the shipyard, I'm, I'm welding something different. And in fact, you know, think about the shipyards and the defense manufacturing. Right now, the Department of Defense, um, they're standing up different programs because we don't have enough skilled trades. And if you, if you think about who builds our national defense systems, it's the skilled trades. Who's going to build the boats? Who's going to build the ships? Who's going to build the tanks? Who's going to build the Jeeps? These start with welders, and so you know we engage with something called the Accelerated Training Defense Manufacturing System, and, and, and we're focused on how do we train welders faster, better, and safer, because all the shipyards, if I need to add one more submarine to a, to a yard, that's so many man hours, how am I going to do that? And so we're really rethinking how we train welders, engage with our customers, engage with schools, and do all this stuff. And so then that, that's just one thing. And then now we're the business manager for, for education, which we run not only products, but we're running a school, we're running a channel, we're running all this stuff, we're running a global business. And, and you know it's fun because it, it's just a different challenge every step of the way that you go. And then now when I started in technical training at Lincoln Electric, I mean, we had maybe 14 people in technical training. I mean, we have over 45 people in our group today. Wow. Dealing with curriculum, engineering, product development and, and customized training and uh, welding instructors and all that. I mean, it's a it truly is a, a very legitimate business um, that's being run within a an industrial based organization that is more focused on outreach and making sure our customers are successful, making sure schools are successful. Because, I, listen, at the end of the day, if if we don't have welders. We don't have business. Yeah. Right. I mean, so. Um, and and that's, what's, that, that's that's kind of what's really fun about my job. It, it, it's it's not even really call it a job. I, I, just, I just get to go have fun every day, right?
1: <laughs> I love it. Um, for the listeners that don't know, tell us about the products that Lincoln Electric produces. Um, and have you always produced the same ones or have you slowly added kind of as the years have gone?
0: Yeah, it's all about technology. I mean, we've, we've been in the welding game. Lincoln Electric started in 1895. All right and we were really making dc electric motors and when we shifted we didn't shift we, we've always we were making electric motors until well into the 1980s but in the early 1900s we started dabbling in this thing called welding and welding was a brand new way to join metals together because at that time we were riveting so if you go under an old bridge in cleveland or something like that you see the you see the old knobs holding the different pieces of metal together those were riveted, and that's how we joined those materials back then. Well, we got into welding, and the and, 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 and funny thing was in 1917, we got a call from the U.S. Army and said, hey, we've really heard about this thing called welding. We think we can use it in the European theater because World War One's is going on right now. Can you train some of our infantry, Army infantrymen in welding, wow. and we'll send them and see and, – and, and that's where our welding school started in 1917, was the answer to answer the call of World War I. And, and we've, we've kept it running ever since. It's the longest continuously running welding school in the world. Wow. And uh, that's
1: unbelievable. And so,
0: yeah, so you, you think about the technology we had back then, it's old DC rectifiers, you know, it's, it's just kind of that, that straightforward welding equipment to what we have today, where we have inverter based technology that's really computer controlled. And you know, we can control every aspect of the arc and the MIG welding. And, and we have different modes of metal transfer. We have different ways that we can weld stuff. And you know, I could show you videos today. The coolest thing, one of the coolest thing we're doing, and I talk about all the time, is we're 3D printing metal parts.
1: It's right? insane, that technology. It's wild.
0: Right. So I mean, we can actually 3D print an engine block for an OEM, have every little channel, all, everything machined out on this thing, deliver it to the OEM, basically we say, if it fits in a microwave, we're flat out not interested. I mean, we print big stuff, right? And, and when, when you take people to that additive manufacturing, you saw, show them what we're doing with robotics and the technology that we have in welding today, using the various different kind of metals and materials that we're using, it, it's, it's fascinating. And, and the metallurgy that goes into that, the material science that goes into that, the computer programming that goes into that. I mean, how do you control that robot so you get a very consistent part all the way around? And, you know, that's what I mean about technology and, and welding today and what's going on. It, it's not that you just go grab that old stick electrode and you're just going to shove the electrode in a weld joint and make it work. I mean, it, there, there's a lot going on in welding today. And, and, and that's where the, the, the industry is really starting. I'm not going to say shift. We always will need welders, we always need those and tactile welders that we've needed, but the need for welding engineering technologists is just really taking off. The people that can hit the, hit the floor in manufacturing, take those technologies that we're developing, adapt them then for the manufacturing space and then get them adopted on the floor so we can produce product faster, safer and better, right? And, and that's the magic about what we do at Lincoln Electric.
1: So, I'm going to shift and, and come back to a couple of questions because I think it just makes sense to ask now. But how do you see AI continuing to affect the manufacturing industry as a whole, let alone welding over the next 10 years? And then, yeah, uh, yeah let, let's start there because, I mean, you just mentioned it, right? I mean, you know, 3D printing yeah. did not exist, what, 10, 15 years ago?
0: Well, so we're actually going to start using technology to make, to make people better at the jobs that they do. Let me say it that way, because I don't believe that AI is going to remove people out of the workforce. Just like robotics doesn't really displace a worker in the manufacturing position, it shifts the skill set in which they have to have. Sure. So, so, Paul, have you ever welded before? I mean, oh. really, at the end of the day? No, no. But guess what? You just lost your job today, and the only job open in town right now is a welder. And, you know, we're going to pay you $22 an hour to weld. But you're going to show up and say, look, I I really don't know how to weld. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to do whatever I can to do this. What I've got to figure out in the manufacturing side is, Paul, how do I make you successful? How do I get you standing up and welding that product together faster than what it used to be in the past? I need to get you more productive in five days instead of taking a month to get you trained up. And so we're going to start using technology to help make that happen. We have a program at uh, Lincoln Electric called Weld Sequencer. Coolest thing in the world, right? So now I just taught you to weld. You're, you're good. You're, you're laying down the beads. But I take you to your work cell, and you're going to make a draper head for a combine that's 40 foot long. It has 500 welds on it. There are 100 of those welds that are super critical to the integrity of that product. And I need you to weld that up, and I need you to make two a day. and Every weld has to be done in a certain sequence. You cannot get out of this sequence because I don't want distortion. I don't want it to, to fail. You know, There's certain reasons I want this to happen. So you, Paul, are going to walk in this cell and there's going to be a TV monitor up on the wall. That monitor is connected to the welding power source through, a, through an interface. And that monitor is going to tell you exactly where to go make that first weld. You're gonna make that weld. The power source is gonna basically evaluate that weld that you just made and give you a red light or a green light. If you get the green light, it shows you exactly where to make the next weld. It resets the welder if that weld takes a different different set of parameters and you just go make that next weld. And then you go to the next one, you go to the next one. And let's say, well, you know what, lunchtime comes up and then weld 234. All right, go to lunch. When you come back, it's going to be right there at well 235, ready to go. And so we're really starting to use technology to help companies make better products. And, and really, we've got to start tending to the fact of we may not have a fully vetted workforce that's available and ready. So I've got to figure out how to go to those alternative workforces, get those people stood up and welding as fast as I can to make you more successful in the field.
1: So let's talk about the workforce. Um, needless to say, obviously the last eighteen months has been insane for all industries, all people across the country, across the world. Um, but it has significantly shifted the dynamic around labor. So right. what have you seen in the workforce, and how have how have you been affected by it? Um, let's start there.
0: I mean, we're all affected by it. Here's the strangest thing behind the pandemic: is the pandemic didn't stop people from shopping. Right,
1: you no, know, it increased it eventually yeah. a little bit, you know. But all the yeah. but all
0: the plants and factories shut down. Everybody's still buying product, but all the plants and factories are shut down. So now you got this huge backlog. I mean, unemployment in the United States has just dipped below four percent. That was just in the news the other day. We still need employers, em, employees at Lincoln Electric. We still need people. Yep. And so what's what's happening is, and, and I talk about this all over the United States. We now have to focus on what this true workforce is. And when I was going through school, the skilled trades weren't the cool thing to be. It wasn't a high wage, high, high level job. But I just heard on the news this morning, HVAC technicians starting out can start out at $60,000 a year. Welders can start well about $20 an hour in welding. I mean, those are really good wages for people. And if you start thinking about the different alternative populations we have out there in the United States, we're not really thinking about these alternative populations all the time. Yep. How am I going to go out and attract you know, the, the women to come into manufacturing? How am I going to go out and attract you know, d- disparate groups around the United States to come into welding? We, we now have people trickling in the United States, if we agree or don't agree, But we need to make them a valuable piece to the workforce. How are we going to train them up and make that happen? What about incarcerated people? If we have incarcerated people coming out into the workforce, how do I make them a valuable part of the workforce? Because if I give them a meaningful way of life, if I give them a meaningful wage, they're less likely to go back and be a repeat offender. And, And we're such a ripe opportunity now to really kind of reset that narrative behind Not only how do we attract people to to manufacturing, but how do we go after all the different population, different subgroups? And that's what I love about the DEI conversation. The DEI conversation is not about one group or another group. It's about all those alternative populations we need to go after. And they need to have an equal opportunity to get trained. And that's where the community colleges are engaging. The trade schools are engaging. We're engaging with workforce development boards. We're engaging with all these different groups because everybody's going to go find their little niche to find their way into the workforce. If we take down those barriers, we can overcome this skills gap, we can overcome this slight gap that we have in all of our manufacturing sectors and all the different areas that we have these in. And, and there are some high high demand jobs, high training jobs out there. I'm not, I'm not you know, taking that away. But think about the hospitality industry. That was almost wiped out right, when the pandemic hit. That whole population came back, and, and, and how do we reengage them in the workforce? Some went back into hospitality. But well, what if that chef was a welder back before he became a chef? Hey, welding's changed now. Yeah. Look at these different opportunities we have in welding. You'd be robotic technician, you'd be an engineering, engineering technologist. All these but, but we're not. We're not pushing that out there. And, and what I hate about welding sometimes is all we talk about the arcs and sparks. When you talk about welders, I need all these welders just shoving electrodes in stuff, making the arcs and sparks. I still need quality control people. I still need certified welding inspectors. I still need the engineers. I still need the line foreman. I still need the robotic guy. I still need a programmer. I need an IT person. I mean, it's all these different functions into the welding industry that we forget about, but we only celebrate the welder right here and talk about that. And so I think... We need to change that narrative and really open people's eyes to the fact of really what's going on in all these different subsectors and manufacturing and everything else.
1: Well, there's definitely a need for manufacturing as a whole and then pick, you know, like you said, welding. People just don't know, you know, just like you said, when you say, when, when to the, if you ask the average citizen, hey, welder, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Someone's going to say mask on, sparks flying, building a bridge, which great, that's True. That's not false. That's true. But to your point, there are now ten people surrounding that one person. That this is a whole another ecosystem, right? So there's an education process and need to the general public. And you're right. I mean, even me growing up too, like this was to go to a trade school it was just not pushed. You know, it was four year degree, four year degree, four year degree. Go get a job behind a desk, right? That was what what was pushed. And so I do think in the next 10 years, we're going to see a dramatic shift for a variety of reasons. Um, That's for a whole nother podcast about knowledge and costs and all that. But I I agree. I think there's a need for it.
0: Well, so I sit on the foundation board for Phi Theta Kappa. And you're like, oh, my gosh, Scales, what are you doing with an honor society, right? (laughs) Well, the thing that we're doing with Phi Theta Kappa and, and, and what we need to start doing is our students in the skilled trades, our students in career and technical education have academic ability. We have a lot of smart students in career and technical education and we're not celebrating that fact. We're not celebrating the fact that that student in welding, that student in construction trades, that student in safety, that's, that's, that's achieving academically, that has an opportunity to transfer to Ferris State, the Ohio State University, or transfer down to Laterno. Why are we not celebrating the fact that that's an academically achieving student? Why can't they be a member of an honor society like Phi Theta Kappa and get the scholarships to go to these different institutions and start working on advanced degrees? We're not celebrating that fact. And I think that it's not a question of you either A, go to college or B, go to trade school. It should be, I go to school and I'm going to go to college and I'm going to go to the university and go, go deeper, bigger, and better. Yep. And I think that's a, that's a great narrative to have because I think a lot of when, when, you know, we have a graduation at our weld school and we haven't had one for many, many years. But when we open our new welding technology training center, I said, we're going to have a graduation for our students graduating from a 16 week comprehensive program. That's great. And I, I think we fail to forget that a lot of these students may be the first generation graduating from something post-secondary. I it's a that. first win, right? Yep. And these parents are showing up. We well, had one, one, one student had 15 people show up to watch him graduate from our 16-week program. It's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. And now he's got a support net system. He can go to the next level. She can go to the next level, whatever it is. So yep. I, I think we got to change the narrative and say, it's not if, it's not or. It's and and I'm gonna go do this now, and I'm gonna go achieve that now. And I think that's the real narrative we need.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, okay, so let's jump to. can you tell our listeners about the work, uh, your work with Skills USA, and how does Skills USA deliver on its mission to not only empower its members to become world class workers um, but also just responsible American citizens?
0: Right. Uh, so skills usa it you know been around a long long time and welding certainly always been a part of of skills usa and you know skills usa and we think about workforce development today and what's going on with that what's going on with current technical education we are just in a prime spot to really make a difference in students lives and and what we're focusing on now with skills usa is a different level of engagement how do we start truly engaging the industrial sector the, the medical sector all those and start engaging the schools and the states and really start bringing these things together. How do we make students more valuable out there in the workforce? How do we make them a part of that ecosystem where they have a seamless transition from education into the field of work and into what they're doing? You know, we always have uh, our, our, well, our competitions, uh, National Leadership Skills Conference in June. That's where we celebrate students' achievement and skills they all participate at the district level in the state. They participate at the state level. They get to come to the national level and really compete and show that off. And, and that, that's really where we, 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 we get to allow students to excel and demonstrate their abilities and what they can and can't do. But that's also a different place where we can start a little bit of shifting that narrative. Right? Not, don't just look at the welder, but look at what they're doing. Look at what they're creating. Look at how they're creating that. And start engaging employers and, and different companies to come in, because really what, what we need is we need companies to really advocate nationally with Skills USA and really carry that mantra and, and help us create policies and different things like that. But I need these companies to engage locally with the Skills USA advisors and, and the state leadership so that we can really start building those bridge programs between education and the workforce and really driving that, that, uh, that achievement and, and building those pathways for students to find immediate employability, really start driving the effectiveness and programs out there in schools and community colleges and so on. Because look, if, if we're not all working together to build that next workforce, to train those next people that are gonna be entering the workforce, then you know what, we're, we're, we're not achieving all that we can. And it takes both involvement from the the workforce side from industry and also education to make that magic happen. Because, you know, when that freshman comes into school, it's another five years before they enter the workforce, the true workforce, right? If they don't go to post-secondary, that's a long time. And if I'm teaching on old technology, if I'm teaching old techniques, if I'm not teaching what's current or relevant or what's coming up, they're already starting at a disadvantage. So how are we pushing that envelope? How are we really making those making those schools excel and, and giving the opportunity to do it? Yeah. And so, you know, there's just so many dynamics with Skills USA. It's not just a skills-based competition organization. We really are looking to engage in a different way that's going to help transform this thing for years to come.
1: Yep, yeah, for sure. Um, Jason, listen, this was great. We're gonna get you out of here on this one. Um, we always like to highlight local. Uh, Cleveland restaurants. So, give us your uh, your go to restaurants in Cleveland or or your neighborhood.
0: Uh, you know, I was um, <laughs> you know, I, I live uh, way out east of Cleveland, and you know, the, the Perry Village Pub is a is a favorite spot of ours. All right. Uh, well, I'm probably going to get this one wrong, but I was way out in Chardon, way out in the countryside. It was a farm to plate uh, Oslo. I, I want to say it was Oslo. All right. Fantastic. If you ever get out uh, out out in the countryside, a great place to go.
1: Oslo. Okay. All right. Well, I'll be, uh, so, so give me one. I'm going to be in Cleveland tomorrow. If I'm going to be close to downtown, where should I eat? Or maybe even uh, the gotta, side.
0: Yeah. You got to go to town hall. I mean, that's, right. that's just, that's kind of like my little go-to.
1: That's the go-to. All right. That sounds good. Jason, listen, man, this was fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on and, uh, we'll be, we'll be sure to have you on again in the, in the near future, but best of luck uh, with everything the rest of this year. And we'll talk soon.
0: Hey, thanks, Paul. Enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Rust Belt Rundown. Make sure you check us out at rustbeltrecruiting.com. The Rust Belt Rundown is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and click on five stars if you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.